Speaking is very powerful. And James said in chapter 3, who can tame our tongue? Who can really control it? How can we? Without the one that created it. He can tame it. But we really can't fully contain and tame that tongue. You know, sometimes in life, we say the wrong thing. Sometimes it's by accident, but sometimes there are circumstances in our life that cause us to, for whatever reason, say the wrong thing. And as we, we're here now in James chapter 3, and uh, I'm going to start reading here in verse number 1. James chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeneth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell, for every kind of beast, of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of of deadly poison. Today, as we, as we pray for our message this evening, I want us to consider some of the reasons why we tend to say the wrong thing. Lord, thank you for this passage of Scripture. So much to be said here. But God, direct me as I go about this message the way I feel you've given me. Help us to learn something this evening and come out closer to you than we were when we came in. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to meet here in this church. Bless us now, we pray in your name. Amen. Why do we say the wrong things? Because it happens from time to time. And there are many different reasons why, but we're going to look at four of them here this evening through the scriptures. And the first thing I'd like us to consider today, and this is a quick one here, is because of an accident. Sometimes we say the wrong thing just by accident. We, don't, we didn't intend to. We weren't trying to be wrong. We weren't really influenced in the wrong way. It was just an accident. And I had to say this because sometimes this is just the case. I remember in 2010, I was working at a camp called the Bill Rice Ranch. And at this camp, it's in Tennessee, uh, in America. And it's a, it's a camp that lasts all summer. It's 10 weeks. And every week, a new group of churches come to this camp. And I was working on staff. There was about 50 of us staff members at this camp. This is a huge camp. 
And on really full weeks, there would be over 800 kids that would show up to this thing. Those are a lot of kids. We were overrun, 800 to 50. I don't know why they didn't just mutinize and take over. But we were there, and uh, each week we had a new group of, of teens from all different kinds of churches. Some weeks we'd have 12, 15 churches. Some weeks we'd have 20 churches. It was, it was, a, it was a fun, fun summer. And uh, I, however, did not work with the hearing. I worked with the deaf students that was there. Now, what made that even more kind of ridiculous is I only had just one semester of sign language under my belt at, at, at college. And by that, I simply mean that I only knew about like 100 signs. Maybe that was it. I knew like, you, stop, hi. And I went there. I just knew the, the, just the basic signs. And I got thrown right into interpreting those poor kids <laughs> that whole summer. They didn't learn a thing, I'm sure of it. I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm doing my best, but I'm, I'm stressed. You could ask Johan. He knows. Pastor White sent some interpreting. It's, it's very difficult. You have to, I don't have to explain. Some of you here are English is not even your first language, so you're interpreting in your head right now just to understand exactly what's going on. And it's easy to make a mistake. And in sign language, um, there are two signs that are very close to each other. There's actually many that are close. But this particular one, I, I always got mixed up, and it's very unfortunate. Um, so in sign language, if you're, uh, in, if you're in my Sunday school class, I, do, I start off with sign language. So here's one for you here. So if you put your hand out and you get, kind of get your middle finger and you roll it straight forward, this right here means early. You could do it with your fist closed too, but it's just like early in the morning, right? Early in the morning. But if, you're, if you just do it quickly and you just slide diagonal, just slide it diagonal, it doesn't mean early. <laughs> it, uh, it means empty, or in certain contexts, it means naked. It means nude. It's just what the sign means. So this pastor, he's, he's preaching away, and he's preaching, and he said, early in the morning. Notice I did the wrong sign. Early in the morning. And he's this whole story is about him in the morning. And I just keep, I keep going. I keep saying early in the morning. And everyone there, now at this point, they're used to me saying the wrong signs. And usually they could tell, okay, he's just, he's just being ignorant. He doesn't know what he's doing. But there was something different on their faces this time. They were really puzzled. They were really trying to figure out what I was trying to say. Because technically what I said was working. But it, in context, it wasn't working because we're in church. And, man, I'm going away at the story. I'm into the story. I don't remember what the story is about. All I remember is how I messed up. And about halfway through the story, and this is, of course, a really long story by pastor. Uh, not pastor. This is back in, in, in the Tennessee. So we're there. And about halfway through, I had one friend who finally bailed me out, who actually, she was fluent in sign language, and she was like, just, she was there. She was helping me the whole summer. And she finally, right in the middle of this interpreting, she just leaned over, and she just whispered to me, and she's, she's trying to show me. And while she's showing me, I'm looking up, and they're laughing at me because they realized my mistake. And I, I had to say, I'm sorry, early in the morning. And then they're, they're deaf, so they don't know how loud they are. They all start laughing right in the middle of church. And it was actually a serious story. I messed up. I said the wrong thing. And in sign language, you can say I signed the wrong thing. I interpreted it incorrectly. I'm sure many of you learning, uh, many of you that had to come and learn English or something, or learning a different language, we mess up from time to time. We have missionaries that come through church, and oftentimes they say stories of how they messed up the language they were trying to learn. There are times in life where we say the wrong thing and it's on accident. 
However, there are some times that are influenced us, things that influence us that we can do our best to overcome. And the second thing I want us to consider today, reasons why we say the wrong thing, it's because of anger. Anger. If you could turn with me in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. Everyone here, I'm sure, at least once in their life, has said something they regret saying, or, or just said something they shouldn't have said, out of anger. Whether it was to your sibling when you were younger, or when you were younger yelling at your parents, or maybe you're older and accidentally out of anger said something to your kids or to your spouse. It happens from time to time. Numbers chapter 20. And verse number 1. We come to a story about, and really I hate picking on Moses like this, because Moses was, in Numbers 12 it says Moses was one of the meekest men on the face of the earth. But here we have a man like Moses, who even he got caught up in the moment. Verse number one, the Bible says, Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin in the first month. And the people abode in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. So Moses' sister has just passed away. So he's kind of, he's in mourning, he's going through a hard time. Verse two, And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. And why have ye brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us in unto this evil place? It is no place of seed, or of figs, or of vines, or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. Okay, so Miriam just passed away, and on top of that, the people are just complaining to Moses, saying, Moses, there's no water, there's no food, there's nothing to drink, we're going to die. You might as well just left us in Egypt to die. It would have been better there. We had it better there than we do here. And they are now wishing that Moses hadn't taken them, out of the, the, uh, taken them out of Egypt from their bondage. And they're pressuring and they're pushing Moses and Aaron. And, and Moses is just going through a really hard time right now. And then verse 7 happens. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod. And gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock. Okay? Speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. All right. So Moses, speak to the rock. This is what God told Moses to do. Speak to the rock, and the rock will bring forth water. Moses, God didn't say, Moses, talk to the people. All he did, he said was, maybe he could tell Moses was a bit on edge. He was a bit frustrated here. He was going through a lot. God said, just ignore the people and just speak to the rock. And let the rock do all the work for you. Verse 9, And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto the rock? What does that word say? He says unto them. 
Hear ye now, ye rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? God didn't tell him to say that. Verse 11, Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod, he smote the rock twice. Did God tell him to do that too? He hit the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Wow. So Moses was going through a lot. The people were push, pressuring him. They have no idea what Moses had, had to go through to get the people to where they were. His sister just died. He's frustrated, and God says, Okay, Moses, just talk to the rock, and it's all going to be over. Just talk to the rock. Moses, just out of a fit of uh, just frustration, really anger, he lashes out at the people. And he hits the rock twice. Now, we're not going to talk about rock abuse, okay? Because I don't think that was the issue here. The issue is not doing what God had asked. And as I said, in Numbers 12, we find out that God really uplifts Moses as being one of the most gentle, meek people in all of the earth. And what a statement that is. But here Moses said something he'll learn to regret for the rest of his life. Because shortly after this, we find that God would not even allow Moses to go into the promised land because of this, this incident here. How many times have we said something in just a, a moment of rage? A moment. Maybe we, we even consider ourselves pretty, a pretty peaceful, calm person. But even the calmest of people like Moses has a tipping point. We all do. And even if we never really lash out in rage, you know, for, for a long period of time, even if it's just a short period of time, a few moments, only takes a few moments to say something you regret. For some people, anger is a constant struggle, something they're always battling. And these people are always really battling their tongue. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Ecclesiastes 7.9, Solomon says, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. In these moments of anger, whether they're long durations or short ones, we'd be wise to not speak until the anger has subsided. To, as some would say, take a walk or cool off. We would be wise in, in, uh, when we're not feeling normal, when that anger is there, that's probably the worst time to speak. Parents mess up with children a lot. Sometimes the children legitimately do something wrong over and over again, and they, they tip you over, you know, that tipping point, and you get angry. That's probably a good time to walk away and say, just give me one moment. Cool down and say, Lord, give me strength. And still, still go through with the discipline that needs to happen, but that discipline shouldn't happen in rage, in anger. We must be careful how we deal with anger. Sometimes we say the wrong thing because it's an accident or ignorance, you could say. Sometimes we say the wrong thing because of anger. And when this anger happens, it's important if we did end up saying the wrong thing, before we continue on, we got to resolve what just took place. There needs to be some reconciliation. There needs to be a, I'm sorry. Even if it's not in that moment, after it's all done, you've cooled down to go back and say, look, I meant what I said, but I shouldn't have said it that way. I didn't mean to say it that way. 
or maybe you did say something you shouldn't have said. I am so sorry for what I said. I got angry. I was just in a moment. Please forgive me. There must be reconciliation. But for whatever reason, sometimes we say the wrong thing because of an accident. Sometimes we say the wrong thing because of anger. Number three, sometimes we say the wrong thing because of fear. I want you to turn to a sad story in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. This is another unfortunate story where somebody very much regretted what they said. Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to, it's a long chapter, so we're going to start in, chap, in verse 69, right near the end. Matthew 26, and verse 69. Many of you have headers in your, in your Bible. You already know what this chapter is about. Jesus is on trial. He is about to be sent to He's about to be uh, sent to crucifixion. He's about to be, start the, the beating process. He's about to be before the Sanhedrin. And while he's there being tried, here's Peter, not too far away from God, from Jesus. Verse 69, Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, oh, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, Hey, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said, Peter, surely thou also art one of them. For thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to, what's that word? He's going to regret this. To curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. This is a very, perhaps even the lowest moment in Peter's life where he denied his Savior, not once, but three times. And what made it worse is Jesus told him he was going to do it. And Peter looked at Jesus and said, I would never do that. This is a very low point in Peter's life. Why do you think he said those words? Surely he didn't mean it. We know what Peter would become. We know the Peter. We've read the scriptures. We know what takes place. This is the same Peter. The same Peter in, in Acts chapter 4 when the people saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were unlearned ignorant men but took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. This is the same disciples that had so much courage and boldness later on. Man, but this Peter, he was not that Peter yet. What caused Peter to deny Christ? I believe it was fear. Pete, Jesus is about to be crucified, and I think everybody knew it. The disciples knew that Jesus, they didn't know how he was, how he was going to get out of this one. The disciples are scared. They're not up with Jesus. They're, they're hiding. They're, they're close by, but they're just far enough away to stay out of trouble. Maybe Peter had a, a cloak over his head, a, a, some kind of a, a hood to, to cover himself, but he got recognized three times. 
And out of fear, Peter denied Christ. Sometimes fear causes us to speak quickly without thinking. I think like in this passage. The fear is there. Oh no, if I'm caught, I'm going to be killed too. I can't have, I have a wife, I have kids, I can't let this happen. And in, a, in, a, in just a, that quick moment of fear, without thinking properly, he denies. He denies knowing anything. Sometimes fear causes us to speak because of uh, fear of a judgment. Sometimes we fear the judgment of what others might say. Maybe you're in a circumstance where you're around a group of people and someone says something to you and, oh, I don't want to reply how I would normally reply because I, I don't want them to judge me. I, I don't want them to, to think of me a certain way. So because of that fear, we tend to change what we would normally say or normally believe into something else. Oftentimes, too, we fear causes us to, uh, to say the wrong thing so that we could fit in. You're around your friends, you're around people, and they ask you, start asking you questions, and you don't want to answer a certain way because, well, they're going to think I'm weird. They're going to think I'm strange. I'm not going to be able to fit in with them anymore if I talk that way, if I talk about what I believe in. Oftentimes, will that fear dictate what we say or even what we believe? We change our beliefs because we fear the crowd more than we fear God. And it's in these moments that we find ourselves like Peter, denying even the very Savior he just recently said he would die for. Speech is a funny thing. I teach a speech class in, in college, and I, I, love, I love teaching it because I have so much to learn when it comes to public speaking and, and speaking to an audience and to a crowd. There's so much to learn. I love to observe speakers, politicians, not even caring about what they're saying, but just how they deliver it. Speaking is very powerful. And James said in chapter 3, who can tame our tongue? Who can really control it? How can we? Without the one that created it. He can tame it. But we really can't fully contain and tame that tongue. And if I could add this last one in here, reasons we often say the wrong thing, sometimes by accident, sometimes by anger, sometimes it's by fear, but sometimes it's by influence. By influence. If you could turn with me one more time to Nehemiah chapter 13. Nehemiah chapter 13. Nehemiah is a, a fascinating book. If you want to study and learn more about what it means to be a leader, study the life of Nehemiah. But in Nehemiah chapter 13, at this point in his life, he had built the whole, he had helped build the wall around Jerusalem. So that's all finished. He actually goes back, back to his homeland, or he goes back to, uh, to Persia where he was. He goes back to his job, probably being the cupbearer again. And some time passes, he's allowed permission to come back now to Israel to see what was taking place, see what was going on, and he came back to another mess. And he had to clean things up again. He was a bit stressed, and he was... Uh, they, had, they were desecrating the temple. They had somebody living in there that wasn't even a believer of God. He had to clean and cleanse out the temple. It was, like I said, just a mess. 
And then to make matters worse, in verse 23, Nehemiah 13, verse 23. In those days also saw I Jews that had married wives of Ashdod, of Ammon, and of Moab. Now, that's bad enough. Ashdod was not, I mean, <laughs> you shouldn't marry anybody that believed in any other God besides Jehovah God, first of all. But certain of them would just make you, yourself cringe. Ashdod was, was one that would practice children's sacrifice, passing them through the fire. Lots of evil things that would take place there. Ammon and Moab. So now to make models worse, look at verse 24. And their children... Okay, so some of the Jews were married women from these, these uh, people groups, these cultures, and their children now spake half in the speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language of each people. So here now, we have these children who couldn't even properly speak Hebrew. They couldn't speak the language of, uh, of the Israelites. They couldn't even read the scriptures. They couldn't even really understand what was taking place. It came to a point in their life where these children now couldn't even properly hear, couldn't even go into the temple to worship because they couldn't even understand Hebrew. They couldn't hear the message of God properly in their, in their day and age. Was it their children's faults? Well, no, but it was the fault of the influence around them. See, we come to a point in our life where oftentimes the people that we hang around with influence the way that we communicate. It influences the way that we speak. The people that we're around. I don't know why, but I pick up things from people very easily. When I was a teenager, we had moved to the Arctic Circle of Canada for a few years. And while we were up there, culturally it was very different than what I was used to. And there was one particular guy up there, he was, he was a good guy, he was a nice guy, he had a, he had a very distinct laugh about him. It was a really throat deep laugh. And he was like, <laughs> like that's how he laughed. And that was him, his name was Alan, and that's just who he was. And, it, it, and I didn't even mean to do this, but I started to pick up on the laugh. And I didn't realize it, and I kept denying it. My mom was saying, you're hanging around Alan too much. You're starting to laugh like him. I'm like, no, I'm not. She's like, excuse me. You literally just laughed just like him. And I, I, didn't, I couldn't believe that I was this way. And one day, a joke was said, and we were in a group of uh, teens, and I started to laugh. And I laughed just like Alan. And everyone looked at me funny and said, you've been hanging out with Alan too much. When all my peers were saying it, I began to realize, oh, wow, I didn't even realize I picked up that laugh. Maybe you have something similar. You pick up uh, this or that. My dad keeps, when I call him, he keeps trying to test me if I'm saying A, you know, like the Canadian. He's trying to see if I'm sounding more Canadian. He says I am. I don't know if it's true. He would know. I wouldn't know. But we pick up things along the way. And because of this, it's easy to, for us to realize that we can get influenced by the people that we're around. Now, some people are more impressionable than others, but we're all susceptible to the influences around us. In Sunday school this morning, we learned about Jacob and Esau, if you were here. And in that story, we find that Rebekah overhears Isaac telling Esau, Esau, go out, get me your, my favorite venison, bring it back, 
because I'm about to bless you. I'm about to give you your birthright and give you everything that's due to you. And Rebecca goes over and says, Jacob, come here. Your brother's about to get blessed. I need you to get blessed instead. So this is what I want you to do. And she tells him this whole story. You know the story, right? And Jacob saying, Mom, I can't do this. Like, Dad's going to know I'm not Esau. Esau's a super hairy guy. His voice is deeper. I don't know what his voice sounded like. But Dad's not, I can't trick Dad. And plus, if he finds out I'm doing it wrong, he's going he's gonna to curse me instead and bless me. And Rebecca convinces Jacob to listen and to lie and to deceive his father. And Jacob listens. Jacob allowed the influence of the people around him to cause him to do wrong, to speak lies, things that he wouldn't have normally done. People can influence us the way we speak, so can cultures. The culture that we place ourselves in can also affect the way we speak. You say, what do you mean by culture? Well, many of us are in different cultures. You know, there's the sports culture, right? We can speak sports. Other people can walk into a conversation. I'm guilty of this. People walk into a conversation and they, what are you guys talking about? Oh, we're talking about uh, basketball. And we're talking about this player and this player and this player and, and you know what's happening here and what's going on and how the Golden State Warriors won the, the championship just a couple days ago. We'll be talking about things. And if you don't really understand it, uh, I'm just going to go. And they leave because they don't know what's happening. I could join a conversation uh, that's going on. Uh, there's pop culture is a, big, is a big culture that we could find ourselves wrapped in. There's the, the rap culture. There's even in California, we used to make fun of the, the skateboarding culture because they just had their own way of talking, their own lingo. It was real laid back and it was real relaxed. And we used to kind of make fun of uh, our friends. There's, there's an anime culture. There's a gaming culture. There's a music culture. There's all kinds of cultures. And we're all involved in, in, in one of them some way or another. And they influence the way that we speak. And you know, it's easy to, uh, after you talk to somebody for a few minutes to maybe say, wow, you know, you sure know a lot about music. Wouldn't it be amazing if after a few minutes of talking to somebody, they would look at you and say, wow, you must read your Bible a lot. Wow, you, you must be close to God. You know, we don't really get that very much, do we? We know a lot about cultures. We know a lot about this and that in the world. But very rarely do people compliment others on how much knowledge of, the, of God's Word we know. How much, how much we communicate and talk to our Savior. Oftentimes the, cultures around, the culture around us will influence the way that we speak and how we speak. You could talk about drugs and alcohol. I don't need to go there. We know how that influences the way that we speak. There are many different influences in life that may make us say things that maybe we wouldn't have normally said had we not been a part of that specific culture. But of all these possible reasons why we often say the wrong thing, just know this. The beautiful thing about this list, there's the accident, there's the anger, there's fear. There's influence. These examples I gave, Peter, Moses, or even Israel in Nehemiah's day, they all messed up with their speech or were influenced in such a way that their speech wasn't what it should have been. But every single one of them made it right in the end. They did mess up. Some messed up more than others. 
Moses really messed up. God wouldn't even let him in the promised land, but God still used Moses to get them to, that, to the fence, to get them there. God wasn't, he didn't give up on Moses just because he, he said the wrong thing once. Peter really messed up. A very, very low point in his life. But was God done with Peter? He was just getting started. Yes, Peter really messed up. But you know what, Peter? He got back up on his feet. He begged God for forgiveness, and he kept going. And man, did God change him. Did God turn him into something? I think God used that low point in his life to make his high points much higher than they ever would have been. And we see the example of Nehemiah. And you know what? He did... Those children, they didn't really know Hebrew. They were having trouble learning about the, the God that, that truly loved and cared for them. You know what? Over time, Nehemiah had to work with these people. And over time, many of them changed. It's amazing, right? You can live your whole life, do be really good, and you could say one dumb thing, and it's ruins. Your reputation, at least to humans, is, can be ruined. One famous person you could follow, and then they're up in public, and they do something dumb. It's one thing. Or they say one thing. And now, as they would say nowadays, they're canceled. You know, we won't talk about them anymore. We don't won't, we won't go there anymore. That person's done. Humans often are unforgiving in this way. They don't, they're, quick to, they're quick to criticize, and they're slow to put themselves in the other person's shoes. But not God. God is not human. God can look past, he can see your mistake and say, you did mess up and there, there will be some consequences, but if you confess your sin, get it right. Even get it right with the person that you said it to. If you were angry at somebody, you lashed out, or you said the wrong thing, God says if we are faithful and just to forgive us our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God says if you go the extra mile, you go to that person Ask for forgiveness. I'm sorry for lashing out. I'm sorry for saying something dumb. I was influenced by the wrong culture. I was angry. I was emotional. I was fearful. I, I'm sorry for not saying or for saying what I, what I shouldn't have said. We confess our sins. God won't forsake us. And it, you know what? Our family might, might not forgive us. Our friends may not at times. But you can count on Jesus Christ always being there for us because that's the God that we serve. It's a beautiful thing to serve our Savior. It's a beautiful thing to know that He forgives no matter what. So even though we may say the wrong thing from time to time, just know this, that if we can correct the influences around us and allow God to control our life, we can better tame that tongue that's inside our mouth. If you can uh, stand with me as, as we uh, pray. Pastor. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.